The Old Testament reading is from Amos, the fifth chapter. Seek the Lord and live, lest he break out like fire in the house of Joseph and it devour with none to quench it for Bethel. O you who turn justice to wormwood and cast down righteousness to the earth, he who made the Pleiades and Orion and turns deep darkness into the morning and darkens the day into night, who calls for the waters of the sea and pours them out on the surface of the earth, the Lord is his name who makes destruction flash forth against the strong, so that destruction comes upon the fortress. They hate him who reproves in the gate, and they abhor him who speaks the truth. Therefore, because you trample on the poor, and you exact taxes of grain from him, you have built houses of hewn stone, but you shall not dwell in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards, but you shall not drink their wine. For I know how many are your transgressions, and how great are your sins. You who afflict the righteous, who take a bribe and turn aside the needy in the gate. Therefore, he who is prudent will keep silence in such a time, for it is an evil time. Seek good and not evil, that you may live. So, and so the Lord, the God of hosts, will be with you, as you have said. Hate evil and love good and establish justice in the gate. It may be that the Lord, the God of hosts, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 10th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. As Jesus was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. In the name of our Lord Jesus, amen. It's good to see everyone this evening, and we have a wonderful passage ahead of us here. I'm going to take us through this great psalm of Moses, Psalm number 90. I invite you to follow along with me, either in the front of the hymnal or in the Bible, if you would like. We're going to read all the verses of this great psalm. Let me introduce it, though, in this way. Many years ago, I was invited to speak on a Friday afternoon to a group of college professors who wanted to hear our Lutheran view about the origin of the world. I didn't realize it at the time, but it was a setup. They really weren't interested, and they were not going to take seriously what I was going to say. I guess they really wanted to see if anybody actually believed what I believed. And it was really a joke. Uh, There was laughter, there was scorn, Uh, I suppose there was even a little bit of pity there. But I felt no shame about that at all. Actually, I was amazed, I still to this day am completely blown away and amazed that people deny God as either his existence or certainly as creator of all things. Now, toward the end of the discussion, though, something interesting happened. A French professor 
asked a very serious question to one of the biology professors who was kind of leading me in the taunting area, so to speak. The French professor said, okay, Dr. So-and-so, what is the purpose of life? <clears throat> All of a sudden, he got really serious. And without batting an eye, this is what he said, the purpose of life is to survive and to see that my offspring survive. To survive. Or maybe to color it in a little bit to say, to live and to hope my children live. Or let's color it in a little bit more maybe, to I live a happy life. And to see that those who follow after me might also have a happy life. Might there be something missing here in this person's idea of the purpose of life? I think there is, and I think Psalm 90, the words of Moses, are very helpful here. Briefly, before we get to the psalm, Moses was an Israelite. He was born in the time when Israel was enslaved in Egypt. The Egyptians were trying to control the, the birth and the, the population of the, of the Israelites, so they were killing all the boys. But uh, Moses' mother put him in a basket. He floated down the Nile River and was picked up by Pharaoh's daughter. He was raised in Pharaoh's household, quite a scholarly, probably maybe military man. Uh, but after about 40 years, Moses noticed how they were mistreating the Hebrew people. He rebelled and went off into the wilderness, stayed there another 40 years until the Lord called him to go back to Egypt and to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt and into the promised land. If there's anybody in the Bible who knew that God was real, it was Moses. Uh, the Lord actually told Moses from the burning bush, my name is, I am who I am. So Moses knew God's reality, but more than that, through his, all of the experiences with God, he also knew the realities of life. And that's really what Psalm 90 does for us. So let's launch into it, verses 1 and 2 to begin with. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Moses begins with grace, the grace of creation. God is our dwelling place, a fancy, poetic way of saying we live because of him. We are not accidents of nature. He goes on to explain that God is the one who created us, and therefore he's the only one who is eternal. And the, the Bible begins with these four words, in the beginning God. Not in the beginning God in a hardware store in a lumberyard or anything else to build the world, but God. God alone. He created all things. He is the infinite God, and we are His creation. Or if you deny that, then you have to say that you are the product of an infinite number of cosmic accidents. And that is, in the end, what you are, only an accident. Now let's go to verses 3 to 11, a little bit longer section. And as Martin Luther said, this is where Moses is really Moses. You have to remember, Moses met with God on Mount Sinai, and he, of all people, saw the thundering and the lightning and the earthquakes and the smoke. If there was anybody that knew the reality of God, it was Moses. And if there was anybody this side of heaven or hell that knew the wrath of God, it was indeed Moses. Listen to what he says. This is reality. You return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. 
For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes, it is renewed, and in the evening it fades and withers. For we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring, your, you, uh, we bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, uh, or, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble, and soon gone, and we fly away. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, using the King James Version, said poetically, four score and ten there. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So life is brief. Earthly life is brief. And yet it is full of lots of affliction and trouble and sorrow. That doesn't mean, and Moses certainly knows, that God also has made many beautiful things in this world. Amos tells us about God making the Pleiades and Orion constellations and all the stars of heaven. Psalm 104 tells us that God made wine to make the heart glad, oil to make the face shine, and bread to make the heart strong. Jesus taught us to look to the lilies of the field for lessons of reality and to the sparrows of the sky. All of those are created and supported by God who created beautiful things and sustains those beautiful things. But Psalm 90 assures us the real truth here is that all of this still is spoiled, spoiled by the problem of sin and iniquity. This is something our sinful nature and especially the world, which does not even recognize its own sinful nature, avoids. It avoids this reality. Every day, every week from planet Earth, there are news stories. News stories of the results of sin in this world. We just heard recently of a woman who shoved another woman in front of an ongoing train of a boy who brought a gun to school because he would be in a fight. Uh, He was being bullied and picked on, apparently, and he shot up his classmates. Of drugs that are pouring into this country, so many drugs that they could kill every single person in this country. Of course, there's lots of frustration, there's lots of blame, but no one, very few I should say, really recognizes the source of all of this. And this is what Moses does. He shows us the source. It is our iniquity that brings all of this on. It causes sin and death and and the word iniquity in Hebrew literally means twisted. And that's reality. Human beings, there's something wrong. There's a twisted nature in our hearts uh, that leads to all kinds of trouble, beginning with Cain killing his brother Abel the descendants of Noah building the Tower of Babel, the many wicked kings of Israel, and on and on go the examples that you know very well. But God doesn't just stop there. This is really the best part of the psalm, the part that we sang. 
Beginning there in verse 12, I especially want to highlight that verse. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord. How long? Have pity on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Now we confessed in our confession prayer this evening, I am a poor, miserable sinner. And I confess all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended you. I'm heartily sorry for them and sincerely repent of them. He says, we, say, we said that we deserve your eternal, your temporal, earthly, and eternal punishment. That's the wrath of God that was in that middle section. But there's something else about God that Moses knows, and now he unfolds it and reveals it to us. Two very important things. First of all, Moses says, have pity on your servants. In Hebrew, that literally means, God, be sad for your people. Be sad for your servants. And the second thing about God that Moses reveals to us is God's steadfast love. Satisfy in the morning with your steadfast love. God wants us ultimately to overcome sin and all the effects and consequences of sin. He wants us to rejoice and to be glad even in the days that he has afflicted us because of sin. These days, while God is waiting to bring in the full number of those who will be in his kingdom and who will believe in him. Moses says, let the favor of God. This is interesting. A word that literally means pleasantness, delightfulness. How do we go from the wrath of God and the trembling to the delightfulness and the pleasantness of God? Now, Moses believed in it, but he didn't know at this point in time how it would all happen. He gave a clue, though, to the people who would follow him. In Deuteronomy, Moses said there would be another prophet and that Israel should especially listen to him a greater prophet than Moses. And if you look at all the prophets, there is no one greater than Moses except for one Jesus of Nazareth. And there's where we see the purpose of Moses' life and of Israel. The reason why they went into the promised land is because one day there would be a holy baby born in that land, in the little village of Bethlehem. And in their synagogues and in their temple that man would preach the word of God. And outside the city of Jerusalem, that man, the holy son of God, would be crucified. And this is what changes the wrath of God to his delightfulness, to his pleasantness. This is what brings his pity and his steadfast love to us. And that finally leads us back to where I began. What is the purpose of life? Our purpose in life is to have this wisdom. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. That is to say that we might have faith in God, 
that the wrath of God would do its purpose of bringing us to repentance, but that the steadfast love of God, the pity of God, and the favor of God would bring us our joy and our gladness. And last of all, Moses says that this would establish the work of our hands. That's another poetic way of talking about something being purposeful, meaningful. Accidents don't hang around. Accidents, by their very nature, are designed to be forgotten. But what God does for us in faith is that he establishes the work of our lives before us and to the end of time. As John says, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on, for their works done in faith do follow them. So when we change the baby's diaper, when we cook a meal for our family, when we go to work in the factory, when we give our tithes and offerings to make sure the world knows this psalm and the truths of it, we are doing the works that are established by God. We are part of the purpose of this universe. And we finally realize what we just sang in that beautiful hymn. Yes, it's true. Time, like an ever-rolling stream, soon bears us all away. We fly forgotten as a dream dies at the opening day. But the other side, because of Christ and his life, death, and resurrection to take away our sins and to renew us in our relationship with God, we sing that last verse. O God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, be thou our guard while troubles last and our eternal home. What a beautiful way to think about life. Amen. Please rise.